Good afternoon and welcome to the Cry to Laugh podcast. I'm AJ, coming to you live from 88.9 Finding Scots Radio here at Edinburgh University. Um, if you can't tell today, I'm all by myself. Uh, I think I think it's about time to address the controversy. Um, so I come back last week. I was off on hiatus, if you uh, don't remember. And um, I come back from my trip in Thailand, my spiritual and uh, health uh, expedition throughout uh, the land of Thailand. And um, I get a call from uh, Colin. And I, I, I don't want to go that in-depth into uh, what happened. But let's just say... Um, you know, we, we there seems to have been some miscommunication on um, um, space issues for individual. You know, I assumed uh, that uh, breathing heavily down someone's neck and sucking on their collarbone was a sign of plutonic cordial camaraderie. Um, but it turns out that may have just have been a um, regional thing to where I'm from. Um, and, you know, because of that, you know. Uh, there seems to be some problems. Uh, we'll get back. Uh, hopefully, uh, our lawyers will be able to resolve this issue. And uh, hopefully, uh, we'll be able to move on with uh, the show. Now, I'm just kidding. Obviously, uh, Colin's not here today. Um, he's, he's a sick little, uh, sick little boy. Um, I hope he gets better. Uh, I hope that my horrible nasally voice can um, puriate from... Um, puriate? Whatever. Uh, a fancy word for go through the airwaves to his little little room, his little dorm room, and can make him feel better. And I just want him to know that he is missed, and we all miss him. And without him here, a critical part of the show is missing. And his sane demeanor and his soothing, calm voice is yearned and missed. Um, for anyone who's new to the show, uh, what we do on a normal episode of the show is um, I'm a pessimist, and I think that the world is going to uh, hell in a high basket at a pretty relatively fast rate. Uh, Colin is a bit more of a um, optimist. Uh, you know, he thinks the world isn't all that great, but it's not all that bad either. You know, we're going to get through things, and the point of the show is uh, that we debate with each other. We share some news stories. I usually share very... Uh, dour and depressing ones, and he tries to tell me some more uplifting ones, usually things revolving around science and the and the kindness of individuals. Well, that's not happening today since he has the diseases. Um, so today you're going to get only my opinion. And so, ergo, I win this round, Colin. Hee hee. Ha ha. Uh, and I was going through all the news stories. I was thinking, you know, what could we talk about today? Um, you know, we could talk about the weather. It is just fantastic here at Embro. I was able to go on a jog in all black last night, um, which isn't weird at all, I promise. Um, shorts and t-shirt, it was 80 degrees, and that was like at 10 p.m. at night. It was wonderful. We could talk about the, uh, the Pirates' relatively disappointing um, opening to their uh, season so far. Andrew McCutcheon, more like Andrew McCutch out, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Ah, we like to have fun here. But no, I decided, you know, I'm going to try to play both roles today. So we're going to have a fun news story and, uh, you know, the ones I prefer, sadder ones. So today, let's start off on things a little more dour, a little more sad. Uh, let's talk about everyone's favorite subject in the world, Syria. So for anyone who doesn't know, I don't know how you could, and I'm sure you've heard about it through the grapevine at some point, but... um. Last couple of weeks, there was a uh, gas attack uh, 
sarin gas attack in a small village in um, Syria. Um, the, uh, the U.S. government has claimed that it was uh, the Syrian government, the Assad regime, that is responsible for that attack. Um, the Russians and the uh, Syrians, of course, do not agree with that statement and say that they were not involved in the horrid uh, sarin gas attack, which has left, I believe, 89 people dead, 86 or 89. I'll get those numbers for you in a second. But um, I have my own opinions on this. I think I'm going to go into them once again. These opinions are my opinions and my opinions alone. Um, they do not reflect any of the opinions of anybody else at Embro University or at 88.9 Finding Scott's Radio. But if I was to take a guess, and not a guess, but just my opinion on the subject is I do not believe that the um, Syrian government did this gas attack, this horrid gas attack. It Because honestly, it makes no sense in my opinion. Um, if we've learned nothing throughout the last six years, it's that Bashir al-Assad is, say what you will, he is a very competent and intelligent state actor. And what you don't know what I mean by state actor means he's a very good on the international stage of making sure that his interests stay relatively unmolested by outside groups. Now, obviously, of course, he's dealing with the Civil War, but so those groups are molesting his interests. But I'm talking about people in the West, mostly, uh, Western democracies that would like to see the Assad government um, toppled and removed for whatever whatever reasons necessary. Um, we won't be going into those today. But I recalled in 2013 um, when there was another supposed gas attack in Syria, um, President Obama um, had his famous uh, red line that he claimed that Bashir al-Assad had crossed. And um, I don't know if you remember there, but there was a little bit of time where it seemed we were going going to be going into Syria, that we were about to be uh, stepping into another war. Um, and John Kerry was meeting with uh, the this was before Russia got immediately involved in the uh, crisis, if you can remember. Um and the Russians came to uh, John Kerry and basically said, you know, what can Assad do to uh, not make you send the troops in? And John Kerry basically said he needs to remove all his chemical weapons, but we all know that's not going to happen. And it did. Um, and I don't know if you remember back in 2013, but uh, at that time, Russia and Vladimir Putin himself was being hailed in the U.S. as this peacemaker, as this um fantastic negotiator that was able to have both sides negotiate and come to an agreement and now things have changed obviously because now we have direct russian um interference in the region and uh it seems that russia is once again our adversary and not our you know sometimes bromancing ally um but from all reports that i had seen about uh the syrian uh war is that Assad was really truly um nearing victory um in basically all fronts because let's not forget he was he had the assistance the Syrian uh, regime is a relatively well-armed uh military regime and he had the support of the uh, Russian government i was reading stories all the time of Russia just making their own airfields in uh uh Assad controlled areas of Syria 
And um, I remember seeing a report on Vice News about uh, Russian soldiers that are being sent in there as that were being sent in there as mine sweeps, uh, so that they could detect to make sure errors are, are okay before the uh, Assad tanks rolled through certain areas. So it's a pretty competent alliance that these two have, and it, by all accounts, they were on the cusp of victory in Syria. Now, of course, not all of Syria, but there were some. Most key um, regions that they wanted were under their control and things were going quite well. In fact, there was a time there where um, Russian troops were starting to uh, pull out of the uh, area because uh, the Syrian troops had taken relative control of the country. Now, of course, there's uh, ISIS is still there in Syria and, of course, in Iraq, but their, their influence is, is fortunately diminishing greatly. Uh, I, that's why you see, um, according to all experts I've seen, most uh, counterterrorism experts on any website, any cable news show, what you'll hear them say is that the reason that we've had this uh, uptick in uh, terrorist attacks, we just had the ones in Stockholm uh, two weeks ago, we had the ones in Egypt last week, uh, before that, what was there, there was one in... Um, Oh, there was the uh, English uh, right over the bridge, right by Parliament. There was that. Um, this seems to be an indication that ISIS is getting more and more desperate. And since they can't really fight on their home fronts, on their own frontiers, they're just kind of making their lone gunmen go out and um, attack uh, innocent people throughout the world. You know, if they're going down, they're taking others with them, and they're not going to make it a silent, uh, a silent uh, defeat. So with that said, I, I've read all the accounts. I've seen it all. It just does not make sense to me that on this cusp of victory that uh, Bashir al-Assad would decide to use chemical attacks on civilians. We've obviously seen that he doesn't have much of an interest in protecting civilians in general um, that stand in his way for his own goals, but... There, there's literally no upside to what he supposedly and his regime did. Um, and it, it's, it's just interesting that the U.S. media was so on board immediately with the idea that this was the Assad regime. Um, no, there's I've, I've seen one piece of dissenting opinion and that was on the Washington Post and that was more about the dissenting opinion of how uh, the US media as a whole has been rah rah rahing clamoring for war um, which we'll be getting into shortly uh, it's pretty disgusting in my opinion how how I've seen all these news outlets cheering for the US to enter another war and just kind of put more and more young Americans at risk for you know what I think most Americans would believe is an unjust reason. Um, we have no business being over in Syria. It's a terrible thing that's going on. But I believe, I believe a majority of Americans believe. In fact, I know a majority of Americans believe because I pulled up a poll from when President Obama back in 2013 was um, contemplating uh, and proposing going into um, the region and when he was going to get Senate uh, congressional approval, uh, a poll by Callup showed that only, uh, I believe, 27% of Americans supported going into uh, Syria at the time. And I don't think that those numbers have increased because 
let's not lie, according to all data, Americans had more trust in President Obama than they do in President Trump. Sorry if you're a President Trump fan, but that's just the facts of the polling. I'm sorry to say to you. Um, so, someone I know on the internet by the name of uh, Kyle Klinsky, I don't know him personally, but he's a relatively famous um, political commentator on the internet, basically said that um, the real scandal about the uh, Russian uh, s supposed Russian Trump connection isn't the connection, but the real scandal will be what Donald Trump does to prove that he doesn't have a Russian connection. And that's what we're seeing this week, not only with the uh, attacks, the uh, missile strike that uh, the U.S. launched at the Syrian airbase that I'm sure you've all heard about, about the 59 cruise missiles that we launched. Now, of course, we contacted um, the Russian um, um, high command that was stationed at the base, and we let them know that that uh, was about to happen, which is, I believe, a good thing. I don't really particularly want um, us killing Russians because, you know, that's basically World War Three. That's a Modern Warfare 3, the game, copyright, Activision. That, that's that scenario, basically, uh, in my opinion, if that happens. And they called, told most of the... Um, Syrians on the base as well, and most of them evacuated. I believe seven Syrian troops were killed in the airstrike, which uh, 59 missiles, seven people dead. I mean, that's a little overkill. Uh, pun not intended. Um, but at the G7 conference uh, this week, um, Rex Tillerson, who, if you don't know, is our current Secretary of State, former ExxonMobil uh, CEO turned Secretary of State, um, was in Italy, uh, I, I think that's Italian, I'm sorry, I was on a, uh, over my trip in Thailand, I was on a, uh, binge of watching The Sopranos again, and I gotta say, probably one of the greatest TV shows on television, I, okay, quick tangent, this is important, super important, for anybody who, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna spoil the ending of The Sopranos, I'm sure you've heard about it, um, You've probably seen it somewhere in some sort of stupid internet article about the most ambiguous endings to TV shows and movies, and Sopranos is always on that list. If you don't know the ending of The Sopranos, what happens is that Tony Soprano and uh, Carmela and the fam are sitting down at, I believe it's a bowling alley, or it might just be a diner, and they're eating some onion rings, and they got uh, Don't Stop Believing by Journey playing on the radio. And you see throughout this whole scene interspliced, uh, individuals walking into the restaurant, sitting down at different locations. And, you know, Tony's making a little bit of some observations. He's like, oh, what's going on here? That was a horrible Tony Soprano impersonation. R.I.P. James Gandolfini. Um, so he's walking. They're all walking in, and he's kind of noticing. And then his daughter shows up um, late. Uh, she's in a hurry. She has something to tell Tony uh, very urgently. She parks the car on the curb. It totally messes up her parking. And she runs into the... Um, restaurant now this is very important they show one individual walking suspiciously into the bathroom which is across from tony and his family and right when they walk right when his daughter barges through the door tony looks up and it fades to black now for years people said that that was one of the most infuriating endings in television history that uh it's so ambiguous and there's no real answer. Did Tony die? Was he whacked or did he make it? I think he made it. I think he died. What happened? We'll never truly know. Wrong, imbeciles. Two episodes before, Tony's talking to his very good friend, uh, Bobby, 
who married his sister, um, who has the best nickname in all of television history. He has a nickname that's uh, Big Wussy, but uh, it's not wussy if you catch my drift. <laughs> and um, he's talking to Bobby, and they're basically talking about what's it like when you die? And Bobby basically says, you know, I, I'm pretty sure you don't hear anything, and I think it just cuts to black. That's what they call in the industry foreshadowing because what ends up happening is right at the time where you're wondering if Tony Soprano is going to be killed it cuts to black ergo Tony Soprano's dead so you know I finally put that 10 year old uh, uh, argument on the internet to rest right here on 88.9 Flying Scots Radio Cardio Life Podcast Things are going great so far. This is not a train wreck at all. Where were we? Oh, that's right, Syria. So Rex Tillerson was at the um, G7 summit, which, you know, G7 has all the big OG countries. You know, you got your Americas, your Russias, your Englands, your Frances, your Germanys, China. You got all the important countries there. And basically, Rex Tillerson came out uh, that, uh, you know, Assad needs to be removed. And most of the G7 countries agreed with his sentiment. Obviously, Russia did not. But this is this is war drum tapping at this point. I'm sure there's an expression uh, for that. I totally just effed it up. I haven't taken Expressions 101. I'm sure that's a class here on campus. Um, and so he, he talked about how the uh, gas attack in the town of Khan Sirkon that killed 89 people dead is the responsibility of uh, Bashir al-Assad, and he needs to go. And this just reeks of, uh, in my opinion, the lead-up to the Iraq War. I was obviously a little too young to remember it firsthand. I was eight. Um, but I've gone through uh, modern history just intrigues me, and I um, have gone back, and it's eerily similar. But before we get into that... Uh, I want to talk about how, so although there seems to be some sort of um, agreement among most of the G7 nations that Assad needs to go, uh, that usually means the only way he needs to go is we'll need to send our guns to go get rid of his guns and him. So, yeah. Um, there was not an agreement on sanctions. Uh, Boris Johnson, who, if you don't know, is a... Uh, was the mayor of London during the uh, 2012 uh, Olympics, and he was a big head, a uh, big um, firebrand for the Brexit movement. He's been, um, I think, f relatively unfairly um, called the British Donald Trump. He does, I, I, I can understand why some people would say he has a resemblance. He's like a big, big guy, loud brass with some crazy hair. Um, but, of course, any politician in Europe is going to be significantly uh, more to the left than any politician in America. Even Marie Le Pen, who is uh, a super right-wing politician in France, in a lot of ways is a bigger leftist than uh, a lot of uh, the Democrats here in America. But that's a conversation for another day. Um, he proposed, Boris Johnson, who was the Foreign Affairs Minister of England now, uh, proposed sanctions against uh, Russia and Syria. Those did not pass, um, which is interesting. I want to know, uh, it seems to be that the only reason that that hasn't passed is the only um, reason that's coming out is that they didn't want to um, poke the bear, per se, 
of uh, the Russian Federation. But um, maybe deep down, what all these countries know is that, you know, what? what is there to replace Assad? Um, I saw a report from the BBC that, uh, that uh, British secret services, or not secret services, intelligence services,